0: syria fans everywhere from our nation's capital this is cool america welcome back podcast paisani marco here and man we have a special interview for you today. Last week we were at Ireland's Four Courts, one of DC's premier soccer pubs and also the home of Roma Club Washington DC, sitting with Keith Tabasnik, who is the current director of soccer at McLean Youth Soccer. Keith is perhaps best known for his time at Georgetown University, where he was the head coach for the men's soccer team for 22 years and accrued the most wins in school history. On the national level, Keith served as an assistant coach for the Bermuda National Team and coached the U.S. National B Team for three years. Now he's a scout for U.S. soccer and is an instructor for the coaching licenses. On the youth level, he coached the Region 1 Olympic Development Program team for six years, as well as various clubs in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia earning him a 2011 induction into the Virginia, D.C. Soccer Hall of Fame and in 2016 in the Baltimore Friends School Athletic Hall of Fame. If all that was enough, he's also been a TV analyst for Fox Soccer Channel and Comcast Sportsnet, working on college games and for D.C. United. We got to talk to Keith about his recent trips to Italy and chat about the state of youth soccer in the U.S. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. Keith, word on the street is that you you actually, your bed sheets are made out of soccer turf and your house slippers have cleats on the bottom of them. I mean, you eat, sleep, and and dream about this thing all day long.
1: Well, you know, I I, I do agree with uh, Bill Shankly's uh, comment that, you know, know, soccer, you know, isn't, you know, uh, all about life and death it's not a matter of life and death it's much more important than that so, <laughs> so uh, you know I do I do live it you know and then you know what it's the world sport it's great you know what, what, why pick anything else ah oh, it's amazing it's amazing and you know we there's
0: so many people that you know I, I grew up playing soccer and now I'm doing this podcast we have our Roma club here at four courts and you know to to live your to to focus your career and be able to make some money off of it too you know it just sounds like the dream
1: well it is a dream i remind myself on bad days and i'm pretty lucky very cool so
0: keith just recently returned from a work trip work work in in quotations in quotations serious stuff here uh but he just got back from italy uh where he observed inter atalanta and venezia's youth academies and he also got to watch Chievo, cagliari and atalanta versus fiorentina so let me just stick on that last game because atalanta fiorentina man you got to watch a game at Bergamo
1: yeah it, it was an amazing atmosphere and, and we not only was there watching it but what stood I shouldn't say sat stood in the in the section with all the well they're all fanatics there but with all the flares and everything going on and when Atalanta scored a goal it was you know it was simply amazing uh, you know to, that was a highlight I've been to a lot of places and and, and I might say that, of all the places in italy that that atmosphere was was the best i'd been in Oh, that's you awesome um, You also have to say that you know uh, you know now, because of the tragic news of Davida's story, you know that you know I guess I saw one of his last games as well, you know yeah. so uh, again we're we all very sad about the the news of his passing this last week. yeah,
0: the soccer world was hit with some terrible news this Sunday when Davide Astore unfortunately didn't wake up before his game uh, and you know, it's, it's, it's been amazing to see, talk about the world sport, the entire soccer community uh, come together for this moment. They, they canceled all the games on Sunday for Serie A, uh, but then you see a lot of tributes uh, in the Champions League games and all throughout Europe.
1: They're doing that, and not only that, but uh, you, you have to credit the club, uh, Fiorentina, for what they've done as well, because they basically did a gesture that's unbelievable that I haven't seen before. They extended they, you know, made him his contract for life to be able to take care of uh, uh, his wife and his kids as well. So so great credit to Fiorentino. Truly amazing.
0: It just goes to show that you know sometimes it's beyond the sport. Absolutely. So we stumbled into Keith at Four Courts uh, where we usually are hanging out every single minute of the weekend uh, and this is where he told us about this trip and you know we were just fo- foaming at the mouth to learn more about his experience uh, more specifically, we wanted to hear about how U.S. youth soccer system measures up to that of the Italian clubs and the overall health of youth soccer in the States, because this is a world game, and growth in the U.S. inevitably spills into more potential Serie a fans, and that's what we're looking for. So, Keith, let's get started uh, with the youth academies that you, um, that you observed. Uh, it's no big secret that Inter and Atalanta have developed some very impressive youth players over the recent years. Just off the top of our our head, uh, Bonucci, who plays for Milan, actually started at Inter Milan's youth system. And he is just one of many legends that that came through Inter. Atalanta also has a very good youth system. Um, Venezia is a team that's in Serie B, trying to get to Serie A. But uh, actually, the goalkeeper, ex-PSG goalkeeper, Sirigu, actually came out from Venezia. So a lot of these teams... You know, have amazing youth products that come out, and they end up being uh, world-class players. So, why did you choose Italy to go observe youth Academy specifically? And if you could dive into these three teams, you know how you got connected with them, uh, or maybe just why you why you chose those specifically?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well the, the program came about. The uh, Virginia Youth Soccer Association had offered uh, to coaches to be able to go on, on this trip. And, and there's many of these types of trips you know, to all different places. And, and one of the things the organizers of the trips, the people that Virginia Youth Soccer went through, which is uh, Soccer Networks, LLC, uh, I've known those people for a long, long time. They've done a lot of the trips that I would go on with uh, the Olympic Development Program and things. It's Eric Meter who runs it. He, runs, he organized a lot of those trips that our U.S. national teams go on. And so I, I knew because of who was running it that this was going to be a quality trip. That they would get a lot of uh, access to these clubs because sometimes you can be on these things and just get a you know very distant view mm-hmm. of the clubs. And, and sure enough, that was the case. So that was the reason. You know, it, you know, they 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 picked Italy because of their contacts there, and you can also. If you think about those three clubs, you know we're in the same hotel the whole time, about an hour outside of Milan, and they're all within an hour to two-hour drive. So right. it was also easy easy to access them, and, and and they were fantastic for us as well. They really were welcoming. So
0: right off the bat, you know what what you've been working in youth soccer for most of your life, and. Uh, what are some of the biggest differences that you're seeing from the youth soccer development in the states versus the approach in in a country like italy for example
1: well i I think it's there's it's a broader answer than than getting too specific on on how all the different clubs develop you know one of the things you know obviously there there's tradition i mean you you grow up in certain areas in this world and there's certain places you want to be if you're a soccer player and so you know we we aren't at that point yet it's it's you know the the fanaticism that you have for Roma. You know that people have for for Inter that they had in Atalanta. You know it's not there. There there is a tremendous you know desire to be pros, but it may not be the desire to be a pro wearing a certain jersey of an MLS team yet. And and so I think that that's part of it because it's a very clear pathway for uh, kids growing up in Italy. Like you know to try to get into a professional youth academy you know, that's the way you go to become a pro uh, in the United States it's not the only way to go to become a pro it's becoming the way and, and I think if we're going to be truly successful uh, you know it'll be the way for ninety percent you know of the, of, the, of the players so when you you look at you know, Inter Milan and you know the facilities they have the support staff they have i mean it's absolutely amazing you know what what goes into their their youth academy uh for sure they they've developed some some players some of them though at a certain age have wanted to go there it's easy it's almost easy for them because of their name uh the big clubs like that players want to go there uh atalanta's you know different you know they're 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 not a big name worldwide you know most people might not know sometimes okay atalanta you know uh, where's that georgia you know but uh you know but they they're at- actually atalanta that's <laughs> yeah, what we call them well on, exactly like, on America. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they're actually the number one uh, youth academy in italy in terms of producing professional players now the majority of those pro players don't play right. for atalanta right you know they go somewhere else at so donadoni you know for example who was with them and Obviously one of the legends. great players, the legends, AC Milan and, you know, uh, and all. But but they attract, they, they've just had such a great program that kids want to go there. And what's interesting, though, is, is uh, at the younger ages, until you're uh, 14 or 15, uh, it's very regionalized where you go. And, and you actually have to go to a club within your province, your state. They're in the Lombardy, you know, part of Italy. And they happen to sit right in the middle of it. So just by virtue of their location, they can attract people from all over that region. Uh, if you look at some of the others that may be on the outlying sides, like uh, for example, is right on the edge. So they actually have a much tougher time you know, when they have their academies to, to attract players because it really, they're just limited. So, so until a certain age, you know, you're, you're kind of tied your hands or your things are open depending on where you, you literally are. And fortunately for Atlanta that they've put a tremendous program together year in
0: and year out. Interesting. What is the biggest difference between uh, maybe how the coaching style is in Italy when you go see some of the coaches? What are the focuses? Um, Is it all tactical? Is it all defense? Uh, Are you seeing a shift? Um, Is is the U.S. uh, youth soccer Uh, Developmental program, trying to take things from Italy or different, you know, different nations to try, or they kind of focusing on their own style of of, of coaching.
1: Well, it 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 brings up another thing that's almost bigger than the question is, you know, Italy, you know, fairly small country compared to the United States, and. I think one of the greatest strengths of the United States is our size, but it's one of the biggest challenges that we have too, because it's very difficult to get everybody on the same page. Uh, it's a lot easier to get everybody on the same page in, in, a, in a smaller country. I think you know, the other side of it is one of the, you know, potentially great things of the United States is we're a democracy. From a soccer point of view, one of the worst things about the United States is we're a democracy. Right. And that means everyone can still do anything they, anything they want. A state association can decide to do this even if the people above them tell them we want you to do this and so uh we have challenges just by the virtue of the way that our that our country is mm-hmm. you know and how we do things is it's it's uh you know from a soccer point of view we might be better off if we were a uh, dictatorial <laughs> you know in that sense and you have to you have to go this way so it, it'll be an impossible it's an impossible task to get everybody on the same page in the same style i'm not so sure it's the right thing either i think one of the Qualities that the U.S. has and is, is going to continue to develop is is a flexibility in style, you know, and the ability to do different things. As we have more youth players, as you mentioned, that go overseas, you know, they're going to come back with different experiences, you know, to the national team. Now, having said all that, uh, one of the things that's noticeable in Italy with their with the Serie A is that the vast majority of the managers of those teams are Italians. And uh, and you look at some of the other leagues in the in the world, and that's not the case. There's a you know, I mean, it's it's hard to name the English coaches in the you know the Premiership. You know, there's so very few of them, and so so they actually have an ability to affect you know what happens with their national team if they, if they want to. You also find that sometimes the approach that the youth teams take in how they ask their players to play becomes different. Than what the national team and 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 a professional team does, because at the end of the day, what's what's the role of the professional team? It's not to develop they just to win. Yeah, you know, and it's really the same with the national team. So we watched, uh, you know, Atalanta's uh, youth team play, and we actually saw Italy's under-15 national team play Holland, you know, as well, and and the similarities I think you see are defensively. You know, and, and, you know, Italy is obviously long known for, you know, a block of four, a block of four and two and making it very difficult. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is go down against an Italian team for the most part. Uh, you know, although as the uh, as today is the uh, the return of the uh, Tottenham Juventus, uh, not always do the Italian teams keep the leads, you yeah, know, right. uh, from the uh, Champions League. So, so we, we observed a lot of that, so what, they, what a lot of us, well, it's, it's the same all around the world, we say this is how we want to play, and when it gets to a game where you have to win, you, you may be different.
0: So big clubs like Inter Milan have academies all over the world. Uh, we saw that they are in China, Japan, uh, they've really expanded worldwide, as, as would be uh, assumed for a team to, of that stature. Uh, and I'm just curious, um, not just interspecifically, uh, but in general, uh, how is this affecting the, po- the pool of youth talent? Uh, is it benefiting the U.S. as a uh, soccer as a whole, in your opinion? Um, would you recommend a young player to actually go abroad if uh, if they want to pursue professional?
1: Well, I'll start with the second part of that. I, I absolutely would uh you know, recommend to a kid that if that is their goal and they are good enough, I mean you, you have to get an environment where you get out of your comfort zone and and if if that environment isn't presented to you where you are, doesn't matter where you are in the world, United States or anywhere else you have to find it to be able to get better and certainly that those environments, you know, Christian Pulisic is the best great example, you know, as he goes over as a, as a, as a youngster you know, into Germany and 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 wow, you know, talk about getting out of the comfort zone and continuing to be out of the comfort zone. You know, may, maybe maybe the biggest sadness of the U.S. not making the World Cup is that uh, Christian doesn't get to be on the national stage and have another opportunity to get out of that comfort zone and develop because you only develop outside the comfort zone. And uh, and so I, I certainly think that that's that that's an option, and and we're seeing it happening. More and more people are. are not going to college and going to the pros, whether it be here in the states or whether it's to be overseas, and and I, and I certainly think wherever it is, be it overseas at home, it's got to be that thing that challenges you. So, so that's the one thing. Uh, getting back to the the clubs like interns stuff who have, you know, academies or partnerships with clubs all over the world. Uh, I think it's important to first understand that that. Virtually no professional club does anything unless they think there might be a financial reward. And so it's selling jerseys. It's things like that as well. And, and it's it's getting their name out. You know, you said you know, China. Well, that that's, I mean, boy, that is the market for everybody, right. you know, there. And, uh, you know, the United States is a huge market for that as well. And, you know, it, it's interesting because I think one of the things holding back some of that uh, ability to get the passion with our local teams is the fact that everyone has a favorite team that's overseas. You know, so when you come into you know, like you come into the four courts for games, you know, people are here for the uh, for the EPL, they're here for the Champions League, they're here for the Roma games, etc. Uh, but not so much, unfortunately, you know, for for the, the local MLS. teams. Yeah, and 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 so the popularity of the game, it, it, it's it's a it's a two edged sword. It's fantastic for the game overall, you know, and for everything, but it's maybe taken people if who may otherwise have hooked on to the MLS teams. And having said it, the MLS is doing great. You know, the crowds that they get in some of the cities are just, just incredible. D.C. United, when this new stadium's done, I think it will have an incredible atmosphere down there. Can't wait for that. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not too long now. Not too long. So, you know, they do with that. Now, does it does it take kids away? Uh, you know, I'm not so sure that, that any kids that would be going somewhere wouldn't find a way to go there with or without an aca- a specific academy. Uh, I actually think that what could happen down the road, uh, Marco, is that you see some female players that uh, go away because, uh, because we're the place that the rest of the world would love to get players from. And, uh, you know, in Italy, the, the women's game is not very big, you know, right now in Italy. And yet if you are in, uh, in, in Serie A, you have to have, uh, I believe it's, you know, the Serie A uh, feminine team or women's team. And you have to have three or four teams in the youth academy that that are female. And so as that happens, obviously, uh, you, you would expect that the popularity of the game there's going to increase and looking for, you know, players from, you know, outside Italy where you can to, to, to help out your teams might happen too.
0: So we've talked about kind of the academies, how they, how they work outside of the U S um, You know, when I grew up playing soccer uh, in this area, I I played uh, what's called NCSL, Mm -hmm. uh, the National Soccer. National Capital Soccer League. National Capital Soccer League. Yeah, you know know better than me. I was just playing. (laughs) Um, And, uh, you know, they they just started building these academies. Uh, From what I understand, some of them bar their players from playing in high school. So that's becoming less of a thing. Uh, which saddens me, because high school, man, those were the glory days. Yeah. Truly. Yes. Um, you know, and then obviously you go into college soccer. So I'm just curious to know, as the di- director of soccer for McLean Soccer Youth Association, that's that's had an academy, um, you know, do you think that this system's working in the U.S.? Uh, and, and if you could just quickly just talk about, you know, what this academy
1: system really even means. All right. Well, Let's look at it, uh, what happened. Is that uh, eleven? I think it was about eleven years ago. Uh, U.S. Soccer started the U.S. Development Academy uh, for youth. So U.S. Soccer is, you know, the, obviously the governing body for soccer in the United States. But there's also U.S. Youth Soccer, and while it's under the umbrella of U.S. Soccer, it, it was able, more or less, or is able, more or less, you know, to run its own chips. So USU Soccer ran every youth league there was, you know, in the country. Hence their name, USU Soccer, of course. But US Soccer wanted a bit more. They wanted to be able to control the weekly schedule, the the monthly schedule, the yearly schedule of, of players. And so they developed the development academy. It's the only youth league that is run by US Soccer itself. So what it is is that uh, because they want complete control over it. Uh, they the rules were that you could not play outside uh, competitions because one of the, we we have unbelievable amounts of different things that players can do. You know we, we really do have uh, it. It's a nightmare in a way how many different things they could do on a weekend in a way, you know how many different leagues they could play in. So this kind of brought it all together and that's why they eliminated high school. You know from one of the options that kids could do. I agree with you. I think high school should be a kid's choice and uh it's it's an amazing part of your life an amazing part of your social development as well you know within a school and not to mention for
0: some of these players you know getting to play in front of crowds of hundreds of kids when you play a rival high school in montgomery county maryland uh you'll have full stadiums sometimes and it i thought that that was one of the one of the best things for development is being able to absorb the pressure um so I, i was really I was a little bit surprised by that, you yeah. know, the fact that they did that. But it, it kind of makes sense as well, you know. Yeah, you know,
1: I mean, I, well, I understand the reasoning for it. I, I also don't agree with it. And you actually hi- highlighted one of the biggest reasons. And, and by the way, that's that gets kids out of their comfort zone when they're yeah. playing in front of those crowds and playing in front of all their friends. And, and, and the DA Academy, the quality of play, you know, is good and everything, but, but it's good. It's, I mean, the crowds are no different than any crowd you have in any weekend game in any club in the country. It's your parents. parents. Yeah, exactly. You know, now now there's events and things like that. There's obviously college scouting that goes on, and, you know, you could be in front of a lot of college coaches when you're at showcase events and things like that. But anyway, the DA Academy, that's why why it was developed. It's a very important component, in my opinion, of the MLS teams. Uh, I think when you go to the regular youth clubs, you know, I I think there's – There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of arguments both sides, you know, the benefit of having academy or the benefit of having other options uh, where you can make it all these other things, you know, supplemental programs, or or I say supplemental high school, Olympic development program, things like that for for players to be able to develop in as well. So essentially,
0: McLean uh, at a certain point had a team that was in the academy system. So there was one team that was there, but not all of McLean clubs. No
1: back no at the, well the youth clubs, it won't be the whole club anyways. Uh, you would have one team per age group from uh, now it's age 12 but it, then it was uh, you know 13s and, and older. Uh, so you still have you still have other teams, you know, in your club. Some some clubs have as many as five or six teams in an age group. Okay. But only the only the top team would, would have been in the development academy, you know, and that was the case with McLean a number of years back. before, before I, before I had, had come there, and uh, you know, and now there's another another national option. It's been an option on the girls' side forever. It's the ECNL uh, program, which is a uh, elite clubs national league, is what that stands for. And they've done an amazing job on the on the girl side, and they've just started this. They're in their first year on the boy side, so it's an option that a lot of clubs uh, are looking at and taking. You know, to uh, you know, instead of maybe making the commitment into the development academy, right? But talk about commitment in general. I've, I've heard about that that league, and it's
0: it, like kids are traveling to different states every weekend, right? Yes. I mean, talk about commitment for the parents, and you know, it, it's not. It sounds like more and more U.S. soccer is trying to drive the youth towards focusing on one sport,
1: maybe? Yeah, well, I think, I think this, is, this is a, a big uh, dilemma, you know, in, in sports right now, and, and it's a big topic, uh, is, you know, when do you specialize? And, you know, they, they do actually have allowances for allowing kids to play other sports, you know, but at the same time, while you can have that allowance you know if you're missing much of you know your your own soccer team's practices and things like that you may be falling behind and I think it's a you know it's it's a bit of a shame you know because I I think playing multi-sports is also a great part of development and it's going to end up helping your primary sport as well there there comes a time that you you probably have to you know specialize it's certainly not when you know certainly not before you've hit puberty put it that way yeah well, it's, it, it's such an interesting topic that you know,
0: we could probably talk about all day here. Uh, but I wanted to touch on, uh, on one aspect of it. Um, I know a lot of the academies or a lot of the soccer clubs now have partnerships with European t- clubs. Uh, AS Roma um, you know, specifically has uh, partnerships with the uh, Boston Bolts, Vardas in Michigan, uh, PDA in New, in New Jersey – I know there's a bunch of clubs in this area I have like Under Armour with Tottenham. Right. Um, I, I, I almost thought for a little bit that McLean had one with Celtic.
1: McLean does have
0: one with Celtic, they did. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and then yeah. I saw that you guys also have partnerships with DC United. So how important is that partnership for the youth academy or the youth soccer club to have something with a a professional
1: team well I mean I, I think it's it's a first of all it's a make sense thing you know you, you want you want to have player pathways for 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 everybody and and if again it comes down to you know helping players reach their full potential and and if you're doing the right thing you don't care whether that is at your club or not if you can't provide that uh, getting out of the comfort zone component for a certain kid and DC United can then certainly you'd want to you know, encourage that kid and help help that kid move along the way. And D.C. United's our local pro team, and, and, and I think that makes sense wherever you are in the country. If you have a local pro team, hopefully that's, you know, that's where the top players end up going if they want to, you know. And, and by the way, while you still do everything you can, and McLean it, it does a fantastic job of providing all different opportunities for kids to develop. Uh, but so that so that's a – you know, when you say a partnership, it's it's a good understanding, a good working relationship. If there's some players that they see that they may like, you know, then we try to work with them, talk with them about it and things like that. With Celtic, uh, it's, it's really been a, a very good partnership in the sense we've had uh two of our our female players have gone over there Celtics paid for them to come over and spend a week with their academy and even their first team you know the women's team over there so it's been a great experience and I wouldn't be surprised if down the road we see you know some former McLean girls playing for Celtics women pros.
0: So that just you know had me wondering um with the financial component uh you know, when, when I hear academies and traveling all over the place, uh, I hear uh, the, the constant issue that I've been hearing my whole life around youth, youth sports in the U.S., and, you know, it seems to be, be that you need money to be able to keep moving forward. Um, do, the, do the partnerships with the clubs provide some sort of uh, financial benefits to, for, for bringing on players? Do clubs in general and academies... Um, have programs to, to be able to to get uh, you know uh, low income youth uh, to be able to, to play. We,
1: again, this is a hot topic item, you know, and, and especially since it's been a huge item since we didn't qualify for the World Cup, and a lot of people say it's the pay for play system and mm-hmm. things like that. And, and actually, to be honest with you, I think that's crap. I don't think it's the pay for play system because nowadays it, it, you could have said that back, back a ways. Uh, every kid that. Uh, is qualified to play somewhere. Clubs have so, are so good with financial support now. Uh, certainly the, the uh, professional academies, the, the, the DAs with the, with the MLS teams, have tremendous support for bringing kids in there. Uh, I think the issue is, is identifying those kids and finding those kids at a time where they don't drop out or don't uh, try to go to somewhere because, because of the money maybe turning them away you know do, do I think kids pay too much I'm, I'm, I'm sure you know it's, it's, it, it's a lot it's become business in a, in a way but they also are getting great benefits because one of the thing one of the big reasons kids started paying for teams before they're even you know big-time clubs that had you know hundreds of teams was because they were getting coaches who played the game when you rewind back 30 years you didn't have a lot of coaches that had really played the game at a high level You know or coached at a high level so so there is a big benefit you know to that as well Uh, and 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 for coaches be able to make a living doing it you know has also helped develop the players right is there a point in uh, do you know if there's a point
0: in in Italy uh, or in pro pro youth academies that players like the youth have to stop paying and then the pro team pays them yeah. Is well, yeah. A, I is mean, is there an age, or is there like a specific? Is there like the only in the reserves? Or what, how does that work? Yeah. Right it,
1: it, essentially, and, and each each uh, you know each country will have a could have you know some rules or laws that that make it different. But you know, you you by the time you're 18, you're going to be signed pro, you know, or or you're done, you know, and anywhere overseas. Between 16 and 18, you could be on an amateur contract or or a pro contract, but you're not going to be paying anything yourself, obviously, if you're in those academies. Um, Even a youngster can get, uh, you know, expenses and everything paid for, and and I'm sure that's where, uh, you know, if you looked at different things, maybe, uh, you know, the expenses are what they're getting paid for their expenses could be more than what the expenses may really be, you know. Right. And believe it or not, there's that sort of thing that goes on. Well, in, that's uh, why they soccer. can't come
0: play for the college teams.
1: <laughs> that's, that's right, that's right. Evidently, you could if you a basketball, by the looks well, of it, yeah. some of what's going well, on Well, I mean,
0: there's definitely some shady yeah. stuff going on yeah. everywhere.
1: Yeah. You know, but, but I think, uh, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges everywhere, you know, is, is to make sure that, that anybody can play. You know that everybody can get that opportunity, and uh, and one and 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 yeah, 100%. There was the day, and it wasn't long ago where it was difficult if you didn't have money. You know, and now I think there's so many opportunities there, so, so clubs and organizations that's that are supporting, you know, this so that everyone ha- ha- has that chance, you know, to play for sure.
0: So I was just curious, uh, I. I was in the college system i played at penn state and um you know i, I saw some kids go pro um uh, saw some kids who could have gone pro who didn't go pro um and it just it, for years i had, it had my head spinning on on what i've had the conversation with plenty of my you know ex-teammates as well is the college system benefiting uh the u.s u.s soccer as a whole i mean is it is it is it detrimental to, to, uh, to development of, of players? Um, do you think it, you know, again, w- what are the benefits? What are some of the cons? And, um, you know, do we keep moving forward
1: with the system that we have? Well, well, first of all, I understand that the, the college system wasn't put in place to develop players for the pros. You know, it was, it was put there, it, to be honest with you, uh, you know, schools added uh, non-revenue sports, you know, to, to be able to participate in the revenue sports. The NCAA said if you're going to have basketball or football, you also have to have X amount of sports in, you know, outside of that as well that are Division One or whatever division it may be. So way back, that's kind of how a lot of sports were started. You know, college soccer, you know, right now, again, it's, it's, it's an amazingly positive experience. And, you know, you can get your education. If you're fortunate, you get your education paid for it. Uh, so, so it's, it's certainly not something that's, you know, where anyone's looking at, you know, should we have it or not have it? It's there. And, uh, and it's, it's a tremendous thing. Does it develop players for our national teams? I think that'll happen less and less. You know, we certainly get players that are on our national team that played, you know, almost all their, all four years or three years, you know, with their colleges, George, uh, you know, Morris, you know, from Seattle is one of them. And, uh, you know there are some. but I think it will happen less and less because kids are simply making decisions to go into the pro academies uh, and and forego college. I do think that for a lot of players, college is a great experience, and and you could use it for a year or two. And I've seen a lot of players that skipped it that probably could have used it. And it, it gives you a mature. Remember when you go into college, you come in as the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, like you like this? Know? Yeah, exactly. You 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 know you physically are. Less than everyone else, your experience is less. So I get back to that comfort zone thing. You're out of your comfort zone from the day you step on the campus at the beginning of it, and and the thing is, as you go through your years, you're you're continually being challenged by new players coming in. Uh, you know, having said that, the the challenge is that they don't play enough games, and the college season is very short. It's it's uh, you know, if you get injured during the college season, you miss you know, two weeks, you've missed a big chunk of the season. And I think that's one of the problems. They are trying to split the season between fall and spring from a soccer development point of view. That would help a lot. Uh, I'm not sure it'll happen because of logistics and things, not because it's not the best thing to do. Uh, but it, it, it's a tough one. I, I, I think that I've always said that people that go through the college system that come out and are good enough to play the pros simply start a bit later. You know, they'll still be good pros. They'll still have a, a career. But they just may start two or three years later and then mature. Their their prime time You know, years might be a few less than those that get that experience earlier.
0: Well, really appreciate that insight on there. Uh, you know and again with your experience we could have asked anything about soccer right you know what do you think about toddlers playing at five I'm sure you have experience there too I
1: I can tell you that I just don't want to be coaching them but I think it's great what about the over 50 (laughs) leagues yeah you know what I I think that's actually you go around anywhere and that's that's the great thing about soccer everybody at every age is playing it it's easy to play and you know it's it's basically with you, and you're going to play it until you can't move, and then some people still try to play it down. Exactly. And,
0: I'm, you know, unfortunately, I'm 29. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly creeping up on that. I had too many injuries playing. Um, technology, you know, I got my fingers crossed. There you go. Um, so just a quick question. You know, I just want to end on kind of a, a lighter note here. You know, I know you, you've, uh, you've been here when, when Roma Club's been here. Uh, and, you know, we need a witness here. What, 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 do you think, uh, what do you think of the club? You know, Serie A has, uh, is known, a lot of European soccer, but, you know, Italians are known for, for their passion, right? And uh, I think Roma Club, though, I think we have a total of, like, four Italians. Um, <laughs> we've definitely been able to kind of distribute uh, that, that passion and, and, uh, and spread the love. I've been converting people my whole life to Serie A fans. Uh, so why don't we give them some third some third-party perspective on on this uh, on this club and this movement?
1: Well, well I, I can tell you that my observations of the Roma club here is that there's at least four really loud people in it. So maybe they're the Italians. Okay. In, 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 in <laughs> I don't club. think they are. You know, no, they they aren't. there. so, so they're, they're the want to be Italians. Yeah. Okay. Well, we got plenty of those. They, they want to be Italians, and 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 the passion's the great thing about it. I mean, you, you know, you've been in this place where you've had you know the Roma group here and the, the Arsenal group. And the liverpool group and the tottenham group etc etc and then there's those chelsea people as well you yeah. know but uh and i i think i think it's fantastic i mean I, I know when you guys first started coming here you know how it's how it's built up and you know now you got to get your own back room you know for the amount of people you have and and really you look at your you know the race this year i mean it's going to be right down to the wire you know to to get into the top four oh yeah you know and and I think that's going to be really exciting. So, I mean, cl- clearly, if you're, if you're a Roma fan or a Serie a fan or a soccer fan, this is the place to, to come to. Absolutely. But you said the word passion, and, and I think that's a, it's a great thing to kind of tie everything together. Because uh, when we were at Atlanta and the uh, head of the academy was talking to us, and the question was, what's the first thing you're looking for in a coach that you hire? And the answer was passion. Amazing. You know? Well... Keith, we know you
0: have plenty of that, so maybe you should uh, should go coach in Italy. Have you actually considered uh, coaching abroad? Uh, other than the Bermuda national team
1: yeah well obviously considering it and getting opportunities are two different things uh, Italy would be a problem because when I was there for just nine days I put on four pounds oh yeah what so, was your so favorite was, thing
0: that uh, that you ate did you remember something specifically
1: there, there, there wasn't anything that I didn't eat so oh, okay. <laughs> it's too good over there we're going
0: in at the end of April so I'm Perfect. starting my uh, pre-Italy diet here exactly well Keith I just want to thank you again uh, so much uh, for, for joining us on this interview and giving us some perspective on youth soccer in Italy, uh, really around the world and, and in, in the U.S. I think it's so important to kind of get that perspective. Um, when you look at soccer, it's just growing and growing and growing. And it starts from
1: the kids. It absolutely does, Marco. And I, and I thank you for, for having me. And, and it's been, been a pleasure being here at and any time. And, and again, it's uh, great to see what, what you do and what the Roma Club does. And everything as well, to uh, keep that passion going, flowing through the pub. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh Corps of Americans,
0: uh, as always, you can find us on social media, Facebook, uh, Instagram, uh, and you can find our podcast uh, anywhere that podcasts are found, uh, and Corps and ASRoma360. Uh, so with that, we say ciao. Ciao.